Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Another fantastic job keeping the children connected. And I can't come up here and bust a move like Pastor Barry did last week. You know, I, I got some emails and some notes about that. And I watched it too. He uh, did a great job. Did a great job, Barry. And uh, it's, it's good to be able to go away for a time and know things are in good hands. So Julie and I were away for a couple of weeks, just returned late Friday evening and uh, so this morning I was going through my mailbox. Thank you. I want to say thank you to all of you. So many cards and thoughtful notes. And I'm not the best at these uh, days uh, or, you know, th- that have come up with, you know, like sweetest day and such. So, I, I, I mean, I didn't realize October was this pastor appreciation month. But you did. And thank you. Thank you really from the bottom of our hearts because uh, it really has been so encouraging to receive the the notes and the cards, and uh, I was getting emails and such and text messages, so thanks. It really, really has been a blessing. You are a blessing, and we do appreciate it, and we thank you. Uh, and as I said, it's, it's, good to, um, it's good to know that the house of God's in good hands while we've been gone. Uh, I began a series three weeks ago that... I dubbed on hold, and we've heard then from our uh, Pastor Rob and Pastor Barry on these same topics. We've been talking about being on hold, and we've all experienced it, and who likes it? No hands in the house. Nobody likes to be on hold, and when we're on hold, we've talked about responding, and how do we respond? Uh, well, we can become embittered. But instead of becoming embittered, we might respond. And we use the example of Ruth. Naomi was embittered. It seemed God was not really responding to her. But Ruth just decided to serve and to serve her mother-in-law. And as she just set her heart on serving, what happened? She met her Redeemer. And her life was changed forever. And we also heard about the example of Elijah. Elijah, who was, he just felt so alone and distanced from God, and he ran to a cave. Uh, But his example shows us that we can be resting and listening and learning, even if we feel like God's put us on sort of a hold. And last week, last week, we were encouraged that being on hold may seem as if it's this weight of idle time, an idle time of waiting. But We were encouraged, do not be idle. It's time to pray. It's time to seek God and to use our gifts and our talents for his kingdom. And uh, if we feel as if God has us on hold, it doesn't have to be a negative experience. And we, we know that if we're trying to get something done, if we're trying to solve a problem or advance a goal, and we're doing that on the phone, and we hear, hold Please hold for the next available associate. We stiffen up. It's like, why? But think about it for a minute. Think about this. Have you ever turned that around? 
Have, it, have you ever put someone on hold? What are you doing when you put someone on hold? When you've done that, are you doing your best to minimize their time? Or are you just nonchalantly going about your business? I know I've used hold to fend off people, to fend off salespeople. Now, back when the phone was attached to a wall with a wire, some of you might not have lived that experience, but I did. And the phone would ring. We had no idea who was calling. There was no such thing as caller ID, and we'd answer the phone. Someone was selling aluminum siding or windows or an extended warranty on your vehicle, whatever. I didn't want to talk to that person. And you know how I knew I didn't want to talk to that person immediately because they botched my name. Hello, is Mr. Viger there? Well, no, he's not here. Absolutely not. Let me see if he's here. And I'd say, hold on. And I'd put the phone down, and sometimes I'd stretch that cord all the way over to the television set and crank up the volume. Maybe they could listen to a few commercials. Sometimes I'd open the freezer and just stick the phone in there. Maybe the hum would just put them to sleep. But it never failed. When I'd get back to the phone, dial tone. Or, you know, sometimes you'd hear it. It would get really loud with that sound. And you'd hear the operator, please hang up. So I knew that salesperson was gone. Eventually, they hang up. Who likes to be on hold? Nobody. You don't want to be bothered by those telemarketers. Just tell them, hold on. But nowadays, you know what? We can avoid the hold completely. Just block the call. Hang up. Now we have all this technology. And I, I can simply block the number. Block it. I'll never hear from that number again. You're blocked. It's even easier than putting someone on hold. You are blocked. And I don't have to deal with you ever again. Now what about with the Lord? What about with God? Now, last week, Pastor Barry ended his message with a profound question, I thought. Have you ever put God on hold? And I want to take that question to another level. Have you even blocked God from calling? And I want to dig a little deeper into that this morning. Because I know there's been times I've put God on hold. Or more. I've blocked him. And if I think about this for a minute, if I consider what is my primary objective, what is my goal when I put someone on hold? It's to get them to stop bothering me, to stop calling me. Now, why would I ever put God on hold or block him? But I have. I have. And, and I think if we all consider this question, we might answer that, yes, there have been times when we have just put God on hold or we've blocked him out. And if we look through scripture, you know, we'll find lots of examples. We'll find that putting God on hold is pretty much the human condition. Now we get, we get uptight. We get embittered when we're put on hold. And all the more so if we feel like God has not responded to us and that he has, in a sense, put us on a hold. But more often, it seems it's not him putting 
me on hold. It's me putting him on hold. It's not him putting us on hold. It's, it's us putting him. And that, that begins in the earliest pages of Scripture. Adam and Eve, well, they didn't listen to God, did they? And when they heard his voice calling, when they heard his voice calling, their version of blocking God or putting him on hold was to go run and hide in the trees of the garden. And that's the earliest of humankind attempting to keep God out. And that continued through Scripture. Oh, Moses, Moses had his excuses, didn't he? God comes to him in a bush burning. And Moses, who am I? Who am I? I can't do that. No one will believe me anyway if I go. Oh, Lord, I get tongue-tied. I can't do it. And then finally, what did Moses say? God, send someone else. Elijah, we heard about Elijah a couple weeks ago. What did he do? He hid in a cave. Oh, there's no more. Nobody else believes in you, God. I'm the last one. Just kill me. I want to die. Jonah stowed away on a boat. God called him. And Jonah ran. Oh, he went the opposite direction. Now these were the prophets of God. These were the great people of God. Now what about everyday people like you and me? Well, examples abound. Examples abound like this. It's from Joshua chapter 2, verse 20. And it says, this nation. What nation is, is Joshua's uh, hearing about from God? This nation Israel, God's people, the everyday people, the whole nation. This nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me. On hold. Sorry, God. Sorry, God, you're on hold. No, 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 not listening to you. And it's repeated in the book of Judges that the people who weren't listening to God... They just did as they saw fit, not as he saw fit. They did things their own way, their own agenda, not listening to God. God was on hold. And how does God respond? How will he respond when he's blocked, when he's put on hold? Well, think about how you respond. How do you respond when those you want to talk with, they won't listen to you? They ignore you. They block you. Well, God might respond the same way. It shouldn't be surprising. And does he? Let's consider a biblical example. Let's look at scripture. And I have an example. And this example, this example comes long after the book of Judges, which we just read from. And it comes long after the history of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, 40 kings in all. And after Jerusalem fell, and the temple was burned and destroyed, and all the people of Judah were either killed or they were taken captive to Babylon. Now, throughout all of that time, throughout all of that time, from the, the time of the judges to the fall of Jerusalem, about 900 years had transpired. And there was account after account, you can read them, accounts of God's people blocking him out. The people persisted in not listening to God. And ultimately, he gave them over to be defeated. The prophet Zechariah, 
then prophesied. He prophesied about 80 or so years after Jerusalem fell. And in one of his words from the Lord, there was a looking back. And it reminded the people of how they had treated God. Now let's look at Zechariah. This is Zechariah chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And it says this. When I called, and the eye there is God. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, that's the people. When they called, I would not listen. Says the Lord Almighty. I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them was so desolate that no one traveled through it. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. Now, since saving God's people from slavery in Egypt, then came the judges and the kings and the prophets. That span of time was nearly 1,000 years. Time and again, time and again throughout there, that, that history, God reminded the people to listen. Time and again, he called. Time and again, they ignored him. Until finally, he scattered them. He allowed them to be defeated. Their pleasant land was made desolate. And what, what can we take away from this reminder from the prophet Zechariah. Well, one, we might see that God is patient. 1,000 years, God was on hold. And he sent judges and he sent prophets with the call, his call. And we've, we, if we think, if we've ever been on hold for five minutes, we're stressed. God was on hold for a thousand years trying to get the people to listen, trying to get them to hear, trying to help them. This shows us that when we're ignoring God, when we put him off, he's patient. He's a lot more patient than we ever are. And he's a lot more patient than we are with him. And that should give us hope. It should give us great hope. Now, Peter the apostle he wrote this in his second letter, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, God stands outside of time. He's unaffected by time. So he, he's patient. But he's, his patient has a purpose. He yearns for repentance. You know, God's heart is he does not want anyone to perish. Yet, the day of judgment does come. The day of judgment came for Judah. It was a thousand years, but then the nation fell. And God allowed that whirlwind of the enemies to crush them and to scatter them. And so if we've blocked God, and if we haven't been listening, what's our recourse? Repent. He's, he's calling for it. 
And he's patiently waiting for it. And he's patiently waiting even if we've blocked him. His heart, God's heart, is that you turn to him with sincere repentance and open your ears to listen to him and open that door of your heart because he he doesn't want anyone to perish. God's patient. And what else might we, we receive from this word from Zechariah? When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. That's something really to take a minute to think about. Why is it? Why is it that some think they can put off God? They can put off God and they can keep doing as they see fit. And then suddenly an issue comes up, a problem, a hardship, a need. Oh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I have a need. And there's silence. And then the questions. Oh, where's God? Where is God when I need him? Why? Why, God, would you allow this to happen to me? And perhaps there might be some introspection that needs to take place. And perhaps we might look at our own relationship with the Lord when something like that occurs. Is our relationship superficial? Is it surface or even less? Do we only go to God when we have an issue or a problem? Now listen to what Zechariah said of God's people when they were captive in Babylon for 70 years. He describes a bit of how their relationship was with the Lord after they'd been defeated and taken to a foreign land. This is in Zechariah 7, a little bit earlier, verses 4 and 6. It says, Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and you mourned in the fifth and the seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves. When, when these people had been taken captive in Babylon, they made it a custom to observe certain annual fasts. And a fast was to, to honor the Lord and think about the Lord. There was the fast of the fourth month, the fifth month, the seventh month, and the tenth month. Now, hearing the word of God through Zechariah, God points out and he highlights the insincerity of two of these annual fasts. Now, it's likely that the people were insincere in all of their fasts. But the Lord points out these two, the fifth month and the seventh month, perhaps because of their intended purpose. The fast of the fifth month was to commemorate and to mourn the loss of the city of Jerusalem and its temple. Because it was on the 10th day of the 5th month that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. And he began his attack and he burned the temple and destroyed it. And then the fast of the 7th month was to lament the assassination of Gedaliah. Gedaliah was set as governor of Judah after it was defeated by Nebuchadnezzar. And he was a good governor. He was a good governor to the the people who had remained that Nebuchadnezzar didn't want. They were the lame and the people couldn't do much. 
But Gedaliah was a good governor and he was assassinated and killed. And then it became more devastating in this nation of Judah. And these fasts were to mourn then the loss of the holy city of God and God's house and his temple. Yet God called them out and he said, were you really fasting for me? And, and were you, you were feasting when you were feasting. Who was that about? It was about yourselves. For 70 years, the people observed these fasts and they'd become ritual and symbolism, but zero substance. No honoring of God at all. In their fasting and their feasting, their hearts weren't focused on the Lord. They seemingly forgot to honor God when they gave up food and they fasted. And when they feasted, there was no thanksgiving, there was no praise to God. So what, what had happened? What had happened to their service to God? It was all ritual, all ritual, motions. There was no relationship. It was, it was just empty. God had been put on hold for 70 years. And then Zechariah's word comes to them. It's a reminder this is why Jerusalem fell in the first place. You'd blocked God for a thousand years. And then you, you start these fasts and such, but yeah, you forget about them so quickly. So then there's this hard message. There's this hard, difficult message after the reminder. When I called, they didn't listen. So when they called, I wouldn't listen, says the Lord Almighty. Ooh, that's tough to hear. But we, we can make some application to ourselves. Are we expecting God to listen to us if we're just going through the motions? When, when sincerity in a relationship has become ritual, we expect God to serve us. How are we serving him? Now, some serve God. Some serve God out of fear. You know, they fear punishment. They do works to appease God so that they might not be punished. And that was the case with many of the pagan gods. Even kings like Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who demanded that this golden image that he erected be worshipped. And those who refused to worship his golden image, well, they'd be thrown into a, a blazing furnace. Well, three Hebrew men known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew the true God. And they refused to worship this golden thing out of fear. Service out of fear is an obligation and it becomes a burden. And there's no true bonding. There's no true fellowship when a relationship is founded on fear. Some serve God for blessings and rewards. But what happens when a season of trial or suffering comes along and those perceived blessings have dried up the honoring and serving of God, it seems to become drudgery or it too just dries up completely. Worse yet, a person perceives their faith has failed and God's abandoned them because their material blessings have faded. Yet there's ample evidence, there's ample evidence throughout God's word that his blessings never cease. No, even in times of trouble, God's blessings are there and his blessings are beyond this life. They're beyond this life to eternal life, the promise for eternal life. And no matter the level of our material prosperity in this life, to honor God for gain, 
you know, that is, that's, that's a quest for happiness rather than a pursuit of holiness. You know, it's the devil. It is the devil that says, serve me so that you can have a reward. That was his temptation to Jesus. The devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said, oh, I'll give this all to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. Now, some serve the devil for the temporary fading rewards of the splendor of this world. But Jesus said to the devil, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There's no lasting bond. There's no true fellowship when a relationship with God is founded on our own efforts to reap a reward, to serve God and to build a lasting bond, a relationship that's true is to serve him as a child, a son or a daughter. And that begins by coming to Jesus in repentance, not with our own agenda. It begins with acknowledging that Jesus paid his life. He gave his life for us who block God out, who, who push God away. It's not to come to Jesus out of fear, or, or offering some good work. But it's opening the door of our heart, a sincere heart that just weeps before God and says, I, I blocked you out, Lord. Beyond putting you on hold, I've totally and completely blocked you. I've blocked you from my life. And I wish to turn from that. And we're promised, we're promised by the word of God that all who would receive Jesus as such and believe that his sacrifice has won our salvation, he gives the right for us to become children of God. Now, Jesus spoke often about God the Father. He's patient, and he doesn't want any to perish. He desires this relationship that's, that's like a father-child relationship, one that's founded on his divine love. And that's a love that offers eternal life. A love so great that our response is like that of the helpless child looking up to, to a caring father and reaching for that father. Knowing his hand, knowing his hand's going to take ours regardless of what state we're in, regardless of what state of material prosperity, whether it's poverty or riches. When you know that loving God, then honoring and serving him is not an obligation or a ritual. It's real and it's genuine and it's sincere and it's a joy to serve such a loving father. Fasting to honor him. Feasting with thanksgiving to him. It's knowing that when God calls and he gives commands and he gives direction, it's out of love. It's out of love for his child. It's out of love for his children. And it's a patient love, a patient 1,000 years love. And what's the child's response to such love? It's, It's love in return, a love that doesn't put God on hold or block him out or serve him out of fear or obligation. It's a response of love because he first loved us. And that opens a channel, a channel of divine relationship. A person was once asked, whom do you serve the most? And the reply was, 
my Lord and my God. And that same person was asked, whom do you serve the least? And the same answer was given, my Lord and my God. And that's divine love. It does the most, yet it thinks the least of what it does. It's love not out of fear. It's not love for sake of reward. But it's because of the love that's been poured out upon us, poured out at the cross of Christ and the giving of Jesus' life and his giving of eternal life. When you know that, when you know that love, you won't be using the hold when God calls. You won't be blocking him out. You'll be open to serving and to hearing from the Lord Almighty. Be encouraged by that this morning. If you've ever been in that place where you've, where you've blocked God, he's faithful and he's patient. And he's waiting for us to open. Let's just stand and close our service with prayer this morning. And if, you've, if, you, if, if you feel you've been in that place, or maybe you're in that place right now because just the way things are and you feel like God's not, God's not talking to you, You're not really listening to him. Or maybe you've never really even known him. Maybe you've never really submitted your life to Christ. He died for you and and he desires that we would be in that divine loving relationship. He asks us to yield our way. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your reminders. God, if any of us have are in that place where we've, we're blocking you, we're not listening to you for whatever reason, for whatever cause, help us to be reminded by your word. Your word that, that said, people, you've been, who are you fasting for? Who are you feasting for? If we've been all about ourselves and our agenda, God, help us to see Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And that we wouldn't want to have any desire to to love him or to respond to him for a reward or a blessing or anything except that he's given us eternal life and we need to love him back and we want to love him back. God, help us. Help us. Help us to open up again to you. Help us to hear you. Help us to receive from you your word. God, we need it. And if there's any at all who've never just yielded their life to Jesus and might be considering that and thinking about it right now, wherever they might be, God, receive their turn, their repentance, and begin that divine relationship with them of parent-child, divine parent to everlasting child, child of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your people. Bless them. Carry them. Encourage them by your word. Build them, Lord. Equip us, Lord, and help us through this week and return us again to be in thy house, Lord, to honor you, to praise you with sincere hearts. In Jesus' holy and his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.